Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Ben Schmidt and Colin Anzel. In today's episode, we're going to do a little variety episode. We're going to talk a little NBA uh, All-Stars, who got snubbed, who made it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Tiger Woods situation. Uh, we're going to mix up our, our, our normal lists, and this time we're actually going to do a draft. So we're going to test that out, see how that goes. Uh, we're going to talk about the potential players that will get franchise tagged and we'll wrap it up with a little this week in sports. And I think on that note, we're going to get right into it. So boys, the NBA all-stars came out, the starters came out, what, like four days ago. And then the reserves came out yesterday. What are our initial, let's start with the starters. What are our initial thoughts on the starters? The starters were pretty much what um what I was expecting. There were really only a couple a couple spots where it was kind of close and kind of contested between who was going to get the start, and that's something we talked about about last week. I mean, there was the debate between whether Luca or Lillard was going to get the second guard spot, and then there was uh there was debates for spots in the East as well about who was going to get that other guard spot along along uh, Bradley Beal. So those were really the two things I was looking the most forward to. I was slightly surprised at Kyrie just because he's missed some time, but overall when he has been on the court, he's played some great basketball. So um, not, not a, not a big deal there. And then, and then really there was no wrong choice with, with going with Luca or Lillard. So all in all for the five starters on each squad, not a whole lot of surprises in my opinion. I think, I think the, the coaches and the voters got it right. Yeah, I think um, all the starters were what I chose. I'm pretty sure I picked Luca over Lillard. Um, Luca's playing some fantastic basketball right now. He had a game winner the other night. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I think they're I think they're good. I mean, I think it's what most people expected. You could debate Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, Harden, Levine, uh, but I have no problems with the starters. Yeah, and for me. I mean, my my only thing was I'm a big Damian Lillard fan, so I personally think Damian should have gotten that nod. I don't know if he's been a starter yet. I know there's been a couple times where he's been snubbed off the all-star team. Um, so I think it was just about time he finally gets that uh, that starter spot. I mean, he's deserved it for a couple years now. He's been probably one of the top three point guards in the league the last five years, I'd say. Um but yeah, I mean, if there's someone else to get it, Luka Doncic is a uh, close, very close second. Um, but I think the most of the controversy out of this week's all-star voting was the reserves. There was a couple guys that were snubbed. Um, I think I, I'll let you guys tell me who you think was snubbed. I well, think I, we would all agree that the number one snub, the number one snub, would probably be Devin Booker. That's probably you were going to say, right, Colin? Yeah. I think that's the most obvious one. Um, some other some other surprises to me. I know I didn't have Chris Paul in on my like initial reserves when I gave my list last week, but really you can easily see why he deserves a role taking the Suns to new heights this year. I was slightly surprised. I mean, I know Anthony Davis played well. I just figured since he was hurt and he was going to miss the game that they might end up putting someone else in right away, but we'll just end up seeing who his replacement is in a couple weeks. I was kind of surprised in the East. I didn't have Ben Simmons, ben Simmons initially, but when you're the number one seed, I mean, that makes sense. It, it really – I don't I don't think it was a terrible job. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I mean, yeah, you we, we know Devin Booker. Um, I think if – I don't know the exact rules on this or if there are any rules, but when Anthony Davis gets replaced, I don't know if it has to be – like a forward or a big man replacing him or if it can just be like the next best Western reserve. So in that case, I think we can all agree that Booker will get it. If not, it'll be interesting to see like, does Brandon Ingram make it if they need like another forward to replace him? Um, but yeah, when you talk other reserves that I think we're deserving, some people, I mean, a lot of Thunder fans argue like shy should have made it. I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think he was quite worthy. And I think on the east side, the one guy I had that didn't make it was Middleton. I think I had Middleton over Simmons. Um, 
and I mean, it makes sense why Simmons made it because he's been playing such great defense and a number one seed. But I mean, I was kind of stuck between the two and I just went with Middleton just because he's, you know, he's having that 50, 40, 90 season. And I think that's very impressive, but. And I, I saw some people arguing too for like Jimmy Butler and no offense to Jimmy Butler. It's not like he's having a bad season, but him getting on would just basically be off like star power alone. I saw some really interesting takes that it should be based on playoff performance last year, which I don't agree with at all. So just some, some guys I've heard talk about as snubs. I, I just think in general, the, the East got it mostly correct outside of maybe arguing between Simmons and someone like Middleton or even Sabonis as well, who I initially had in. Yeah. I was going to say Sabonis. I, I, I'm not a big Sabonis guy, but his numbers he's putting up, it's like 23 and 11 it's close to 23 and 12 yeah and like this too yeah it's insane he's he's the guy for that pacers team that's let's not forget they're fourth in the east and they're still very good um i mean the east i mean this week we've kind of seen the nets almost pull away from the rest of the pack but i mean the indiana is one of those top teams in that division so i think uh i think sabonis should have seen some love but we'll uh, we'll see because potentially guys can get hurt. Um, so guys moving around. We'll we'll see. Well, in my opinion, um, you can argue like oh Sabonis or like maybe Julius Randle because um, you know they play the same position. Um, I think I would say that Sabonis is the better player. But if we're just going off the start of this regular season. I think Randall has put up the better numbers and I think he's had a bigger impact maybe on his team. They have like basically the same record. I mean, there are a few parts, a few spots apart in seating, but I think the Knicks are like a game and a half behind the Pacers. Um, This is the best start we've seen from the Knicks in quite some time. So I think Randall being the clear leader of that team so far, I think he was deserving to me over a little bit over Sabonis. I'd agree. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, yeah, I, that's pretty much my only takeaway. Some people argue Trey Young should have made it. Um, I don't think he was quite deserving. When you look at how many great players there's been this season, even like uh, Jeremy Grant was probably not even that close to making it. He's putting up great numbers. So it's you got a lot of good candidates in both sides, both conferences here. I just felt like compared to some years past, it wasn't as much. I feel like there wasn't as much argument and as much snubs because there's just been so many players putting up good numbers that you can kind of tell who's really great numbers. They're they're, they're separated from the rest. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like there was a much clearer distinction between all-stars and just really good players this year than in some years past. And also we didn't have, there wasn't a whole lot of the like, guys who get in at the very end who really weren't deserving but are on like a really good team or had had some some help from like the fan vote yeah and the other thing about all-star weekend is i'm excited to see who's going to participate in like the dunk contest the three-point contest what's that all going to look like with covid if they do that skills challenge i pray to god Jokic gets in it because he's built for that thing um but yeah it'll be uh be very interesting. I, I'm excited for it. Usually all kids fun. They're all doing it in one night, which I think could be could be very, very nice because usually the all-star games are dud. Yeah. Um, real quick, some breaking news. It's crazy that we were just talking about this. Woj just said that Devin Booker will replace Anthony Davis. Let's go. That's probably that's probably the right decision. The only reason it wouldn't have been is if there was some pre- um, position like restriction, but that's the right decision. He's he's been snubbed before. I mean, people were always telling him. I mean, if you start winning games, you'll you'll easily be an all star. And uh, it's good to see him get that nod. Also, notable first time all stars. Uh, you got Zion in year two. He's having a great season. I think he leads the league in paint scoring by like a lot. Like that's where he gets all his points. Um, Jalen Brown. Zach Levine and Julius Randle, all first-time All-Stars. And I think they're all deserving. All right. And then the other news that came out of yesterday 
Um, Tiger Woods got into a major, major car accident. Um, it was reported today that it was like a rod went through his tibula. Um, he also has like a fracture in his ankle, I want to say. So he's gonna be he's gonna be sidelined for a while. So I want to ask you guys, um, is Tiger Woods going to play golf again at a professional level? Well, first, just let me say, uh, thank goodness um, he's okay. You never want to see, and even not just Tiger Woods, just anyone in general um, go through a car accident, especially a, a life-threatening one. So thankfully, thankfully it wasn't because uh, those, are, those are some very scary situations. So thank, thankfully for that. I think knowing him and how many injuries he's went through, I think he will attempt to make it back. I also think it's probably too early to maybe make a decision. But um, as, as, as long as as long as long uh, rehab were, were to go well, I, I could totally see him at least at least making an attempt. But, yeah, thankfully, thankfully he's fine. I mean, he's um, I, he's arguably the greatest of all time. So I can definitely see him um, doing everything he can to make a comeback. He will surely um, attempt to come back. But you got to remember, he's 45 years old now. Um, it will surely be tough. And if he were to call it a career, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I did see Bryson DeChambeau when he was talking about the incident. He noted um, Ben Hogan, who this is a long time ago. Um, he was a very good golfer, got in a bad car crash, and then won six of his nine major titles after the injury. Um, obviously, it's a different situation. Woods is older, but... Um, at the end of the day, I'm just really happy that, you know, he, he's going to be okay and that this accident wasn't worse. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I agree with you guys that I think he's good. I mean, it's Tiger Woods. Um, not only is he considered one of the greatest golfers of all time, he's very widely considered one of the most dominant athletes in their sport of all time. He was He was on that historic run that just had even guys who didn't watch golf know that he was he was the shit. So I think he's definitely going to give it another shot. I mean, why not? You're Tiger Woods. You can, at this point in your career, you can play in pretty much any tournament you want to. You just got to show up. So I think I think he'll definitely give it a shot. But it's it's just a shame, and especially what is it like? I want to say we're eight weeks out of the Masters, so you'd have to assume he may not be participating in that. Um, we just hope for a quick and speedy recovery for good old Tiger and Masters aren't just gonna, aren't going to be the same without him. Now, whether you like him or not, you know you gotta you gotta support him through this. Um, no, everyone hates to see this. Uh, yeah, I, I hope it all goes the best for him. I know he had surgery yesterday. What was it? It was a collapsed. Um, I think he had a fracture compound and a collapsed like knee or something. Pretty terrible, but yeah, yeah. Glad he's doing all right. All right, and moving on from golf talk, I think we're going to right into our first ever um, draft. So for this for this draft segment, I think how we're going to do it is Ben's going to start. Ben's going to have the first pick. Colin's going to have the second pick. I am going to have the third pick and then we're going to go snake draft. So then in the second round, I have the fourth pick. Colin has the fifth pick. Ben has the sixth pick. And then you just keep going in that snake, uh, snake alignment. Now for this, we're going to talk about potential NFL free agents. So all the guys that could potentially be a free agent this year, we're going to give you our best ones. We're going to draft them. Ben, First overall pick, who are you taking? Who's the best available player on the market? With my first overall pick in the 2021 NFL franchise tag draft, I am taking Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. I think this is a pretty easy selection. I can't really see any way in which the Cowboys would be dumb enough to let Dak Prescott walk. They saw how their season took a turn really after he got hurt. I know they necessarily weren't winning games when he was starting, but he was putting up great numbers and the defense was horrible in those games that he started. And I think the injury will kind of make it harder for them to work out a long-term extension. So I could see them running back the tag on him for one more year. And that is why mainly due, due to the injury, but also just because he's a really good quarterback. 
I feel like Dak Prescott is my number one pick and most likely to get franchise tagged this offseason. Love right. pick. I got the number two pick. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Allen Robinson here. Um, the reason being, he's only 28 years old. He had 102 receptions last year. It was his third thousand yard season of his career. Um, his second in a row. The third one was that 2015 Jacksonville season. He kind of he was huge for that Bears offense. I don't know what they weren't good with him. I don't know what they would have been without him. He. It, every time I watch the Bears, he's making some tough catches. Um, he's definitely one of the better receivers in this league, and he's a guy I would definitely want to be my number one receiver for a lot of these teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Las Vegas Raiders that need a wide receiver one. Um, I would take him as my number two pick. Uh, with my first overall pick, the third – or my first pick, third – overall pick i'm going kenny galladay uh former receiver for the lions a lot of people think he's going to be on the move um galladay is one of those guys who blossomed last couple years into a number one target so i think galladay like you just said he is a potential landing spot for teams that desperately need that wide receiver one um and then for the second round pick the fourth overall pick i have chris godwin a guy who I don't think is going to return to Tampa, um, which makes him another one of those wide receivers that are a potential, you know, star, a guy who's a number one receiver, a guy you can put the load of an offense and throw it to him, you know, eight times a game. Okay. I'm going to take with my next pick. I think I'm going to go Justin Simmons from Denver. Uh, he's 27 years old. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. He's a great safety at like five interceptions last season. Um, and he's definitely one of the better players on that defense. I think still pretty good um, when healthy. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Justin Simmons on my team. All right, so with my my second pick, I'm kind of um, staying away from a skill position player with this one. I'm actually going to go Carolina Panthers offensive tackler, tackle Taylor Moten. Um, I know how important it is. Every team can be held back when you don't have a decent offensive line, and especially shoring up the tackles to prevent those great edge rushers that the NFL has. Getting a tackle can really go a long way in helping your future, and the Panthers – at least look like they have one. Moten was picked in the 2017 draft. So this could either be something where they try to work out an extension or if they want to tag him, getting someone at his caliber on the franchise tag would honestly be a bargain for the Panthers. So that's why I could see them trying to get him on the tag this year and then end up maybe working out a long-term deal in the future. And then I guess I have back-to-back picks as well. Another one I'm going to go with with my next pick will be Carl Lawson. He is one of the few players on that Bengals defense who can really play. We've seen the Bengals throughout the last multiple years give up a ton of points on defense. But Carl, Carl Lawson, defensive end for the Bengals, can really make some noise to that Bengals defensive line. And especially a team like that that's young and needs to work to start rebuilding it, I think they could tag him, see what he's got for one more year. And he could potentially be a guy that, after this year on the franchise tag, ends up in Cincinnati long term. Okay. I think I'm going to go. Give me Levante David from Tampa. I know he's a free agent. He's a guy that Tampa really can't afford to let go. Um, They have the best linebacking core in football. Uh, Him, Devin White, and those pass rushers um, as a combination is just insane we saw it in the Super Bowl I think they're gonna do everything they can to keep Levante David I think they might even prioritize him over Chris Godwin we'll see what happens um but yeah I think he's still to this day one of the most underrated linebackers in the league um for my third pick I'm gonna go for the instant spark plug and fan favorite uh Ryan Fitzpatrick 
it's going to be interesting to see. There are plenty of landing spots he can potentially go. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Miami wants to keep him if Tua isn't the option. But then there's also a lot of teams out there that could use maybe a little quarterback competition, maybe in Denver, maybe in San Fran, um, to push the starters as of right now to do a little better. And then if push comes to shove, Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably the greatest backup of all time. And then for my 10th pick, or the 10th overall pick, excuse me, um, I'm going to go running back. And I know it's going to be a little sketchy because running backs, you know, a couple years into their career, and especially on a second team, don't normally do so well. But Aaron Jones of the Packers, this is a key guy the Packers cannot lose, especially without having, you know, the great weapons we've been saying for years now they should attempt to sign. Aaron Jones is not only a great running back, he is a great receiving back. I think he's a guy who can fit very well into any offense and is going to be very crucial for the Packers not to lose a guy like Aaron Jones. All right, my last pick, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I got to go with an Iowa guy here. Shout out Hawkeyes. I got to go with Brandon Scherf. He's a guard for the Washington football team. Um, he's definitely one of the best guards, if not linemen, in all football. He's a first-team All-Pro. Uh, I think he's made the Pro Bowl four times. He, when he's healthy, he is certainly easily one of the best linemen in football. But the concern, I think, with him is his durability. There's no way Washington lets him go this offseason. I think the question is whether they will franchise tag him or um, – ultimately come to an agreement with him on a long-term deal. I could see them, if I had to guess right now, I guess Washington franchise uses their tag on Brandon Scherf um, because durability is definitely in question. He hasn't played a full season since like, I think he said 2016. So uh, yeah, that's going to be my last pick. All right, so my fourth and final player in the last pick in our overall draft, I'm going to do an underrated piece of that really good Rams defense. I'm going to take safety John Johnson. He goes he goes kind of unknown because the Rams have the great pastures. You got Aaron Donald, and then you got lockdown corner in Jalen Ramsey. But a guy on the back end that can kind of shore up things in the secondary when, when Jalen Ramsey's not on his game or some of the other corners are playing great. John Johnson, a guy that, like I said, really goes unnoticed. And even though the Rams are, are really close to the cap, they've got a lot of money shored up with some guys. That's kind of the reason why I think they could put the tag on Johnson. I know it would pay him a good amount of money, but maybe they don't think that they could get a long-term deal, but they still want him back for, for – maybe they feel like they have one or two runs left with this defense. And that's why I could see them using the tag on John Johnson rather than, uh, than backing up the brink trucks for him, even though uh, they don't, they might not think they'll, they'll still have the great defense in a couple of years. All right. And then is there on any honorable mentions you guys want to just throw out there? I could see maybe this is a, this is a stretch. Maybe the Panthers, on Curtis Samuel, he had over a thousand yards of, from scrimmage last year. They can use him in a variety of ways, and maybe just because he's so versatile and he could fit their offense, especially if they lose some pieces in a trade for a quarterback. Maybe, but that could be a stretch because I still don't know if if Curtis Samuel deserves that amount of money. But that's that one potentially. Yeah, um, I have a couple guys. Uh, maybe a guy like Shaq Barrett. Um, good D lineman for the Bucks. You obviously have Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, see what teams uh, – if teams see him as, like, a number one wide receiver. Um, T.Y. Hilton, I mean, he's been a Colt for a very long time. Kind of struggled the last couple of years, so it'll be interesting to see if he stays or if he can fit into another op- offense. Excuse me, but uh, Colin, who else you got? Um, a couple of maybe former Texans, uh, Will Fuller, maybe if he, you know, hits the market, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I know Green Bay was interested in, in him before the deadline. Uh, we'll see if Houston keeps him or not. And I mean, isn't JJ Watt a free agent? So technically, yeah. So, I mean, I just want to throw that out there that 
he's still one of the top guys available. If we're talking free agents rather than guys who are eligible for a franchise tag. Yep. All right. I think we're going to go right into this week in sports. Um, Kind of a crazy week. A lot happened. A lot of stuff happened in college basketball. Um, Spring training is obviously starting. So, Ben, why don't you start us off? What happened this week in baseball? All right. So, this will probably be the shortest segment of this week in baseball, at least for the next six or seven months, for, for a very long time on this podcast. And that's really because almost nothing happened. The first spring training games start this Sunday. Um, there, I believe almost every single team plays on Sunday. So that'll be great. Maybe if you're not doing anything, sit down and watch your favorite team. Shardos will probably in, be in for the first couple innings. A lot of times in the first spring training game, uh, most starters aren't in for the whole thing. Let's see. There are 14 different uh, – or no, 28 teams play, play on Sunday. So that's good. A lot of these games are teams who play who they share a facility with. So – Every game on Sunday is pretty much at 12 or 2. And then after that, pretty much every day we'll have games until the end of and end of March and then opening day right after that on April 1st. So get excited, baseball fans. Most teams pretty much have their rosters for spring training. I wouldn't expect really any signings or trades here this late in the offseason. Probably not anything we'll see until midseason, close to the trade deadline. But a lot of games I noticed in spring training, it seems like they're doing a lot more night games than normal. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the pandemic. I honestly have no idea, but there are a, a pretty decent amount of night games. One thing I noticed, they haven't announced a whole lot of, of things for teams like broadcast schedules. So I don't really know how much you'll be able to watch your favorite team play in uh, in spring training, maybe just because they want to prevent as many people being there as possible. They, they won't have each team's broadcast team travel to the spring training facility like they usually do. So we could end up seeing where you can only really watch when it's on like a national broadcast or each team only has like five games broadcast throughout the month because we've seen in other sports where like in basketball, the, uh, the, if, if the Bulls are playing a game in LA, the Bulls announcers are calling it from the United Center. So maybe they'll do stuff like that where – the Cincinnati Reds broadcasters will call the game from Cincinnati, but it'll only be like five times. So we could see some different, different circumstances than in the past, but either way, get excited for baseball starts this Sunday. If you're out in Arizona or Florida, maybe try getting out to a game. First time really getting to enjoy some baseball, unless you went to a, to a playoff baseball game, because those, those are super expensive. So not a lot of people went to those, but each spring training team should have some fans at every game. So starting this Sunday, we'll have baseball results to talk about. Love it. Love it. Colin, tell me what happened this week in basketball. I'm going to start off with college. We all saw on Saturday, I'm sorry, Sunday, we saw the big Michigan Ohio state game. Uh, this was probably game of the year so far. Um, both teams looked fantastic. It was like neither team could miss, especially in the first half. Both teams shot the ball very well from three. It felt like a matchup that we're definitely going to see again, whether it's um, in the conference tournaments or uh, in the final tournament. I think these teams are definitely going to meet each other again. They're both insanely talented. Michigan, uh, to me, I know they won the game, but they definitely look like the best team in the Big Ten. Ever since they came back from their pause, I think they're 3-0, and um, including some big road wins over like Wisconsin and Ohio State. So they have been extremely impressive to me. And they have so many different guys that can hurt you. So um, Michigan, I think, when you talk about Gonzaga and Baylor being the best, I think Michigan is right there almost with them. Um, we have I, – I want to talk about Iowa real quick. You know, Iowa's finally playing some defense. Yeah, I, I, Iowa's turned it around because they had a little midseason skid, I, I want to call it, a couple weeks ago. They did. They they were giving up – they gave up like 90 points to – they only lost by a few points, but they gave up like 90 to Ohio State. And it's like, you can't just outscore your opponents every night. So they finally started playing some defense. They've won four in a row. They've held uh, five straight opponents under 70. And the reason, I the reason I brought up Iowa is because they have 
two top 10 matchups this week against Michigan and Ohio State, both on the road. Um, those are definitely two games to keep an eye on. Uh, they play Michigan Thursday night and Ohio State Sunday night or Sunday. Also Thursday, you have Baylor and West Virginia, I believe. Um, that's a big game to keep an eye on. Baylor just came back from a three-week pause. Uh, they almost lost to Iowa State last night. Pretty terrible team, but I'll give them a pass just because they haven't played in so long. Um, yeah, Baylor is back. I think they, as of now, I think they're my pick to win it all. Um, last night, we also saw Michigan State upset Ill, number five, Illinois. We saw number seven, Oklahoma, lose to a bad Kansas State team. So it's like March early, lots of upsets, lots of crazy games. Um, you love to see it. It's the best time of the year in college basketball. We sleep in May. We sleep in May. John Rothstein. Uh, in the NBA, I mean, it's about the same stuff that we've been talking about. The Nets have won seven straight games. They're looking good. Harden and Kyrie are playing well together. Their bench is actually um, playing well. They're scoring points. Um, I, I believe they're still last in, in uh, defense, but, I mean, they're playing better right now than most people would have thought that they would um, with that roster turnover. So, shout-out to the Brooklyn Nets. They are coming up quickly on the Sixers. I think they're a half game out of first place. Um. And the other notable news is the Boston Celtics are struggling bad. They're under 500. I think that is crazy. That Kemba signing right now looks very, very bad for them. Especially they, some yeah. of the guys they let walk. They're five and eight this month. Yep. They don't they have not- they don't have any interior threat. And then it really just seems like down the stretch, they only have Tatum and Jalen Brown that can really depend on to hit big shots and you can't just depend on two singular players and especially when you don't have a big man that you can lean on like they do they, they don't yeah they they're getting exposed for their lack of depth lack of depth and lack of big men they have Tice and they have Thompson neither of them are big threats neither of them are a defensive force um and they're struggling badly because of it uh, they haven't been playing too well on either side of the ball. I mean, they have two all-stars. You'd think that Danny Ainge would be able to put a more competent roster on them. Kemba's been struggling badly. Um, you know, Marcus Smart hasn't played since January, and they're they're not looking good right now. I would – if I'm a Boston fan, I'm this close to pushing the panic button because I just don't think they're good enough. When you compare them to Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, maybe even the Pacers. Yeah, if they uh, – well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If Boston loses in the first round this year, are we officially putting Brad Stevenson on the hot seat? Because everyone's been saying Brad Stevens the next best head coach, including me. I've said it myself. But – the man hasn't won anything. He went to one Eastern Conference Finals with a rookie, Jason Tatum, and they took LeBron to seven games. I get that. That was a very good season. But other than that, they haven't done much. I mean, they. I mean, they're honestly very similar to those uh, Lob City Clippers teams, where they were a very good team, a very good roster, but they just they just weren't enough. Yeah, I mean. I, to me, almost, if I'm going to put the blame on anybody, I think I'm putting more blame on Danny Ainge. Same here. Same I, here. I think he's done a really poor job um, constructing this roster the past few years. I mean, the Kemba Walker signing was obviously a big dud. Um, they got Kyrie. They were, they were aggressive. They got Kyrie. They seemed to have won that trade at the time. And then, I mean – we saw what happened with Kyrie. He really struggled, especially in the playoffs, being their number one guy. Kyrie's gone. They bring in Kemba Walker. Everyone's like, oh, it's a better fit. Um, that didn't work out at all. It's 
I mean, Kemba Walker shooting like 37% from the field. He's really struggling and he doesn't seem to care that much. I mean, maybe this is just me being a spectator and not, you know, not knowing what these guys are really feeling, but he's out there like smiling and laughing when Luca hits a game winner in their face. And it's just, I feel like you should feel a little more upset in these moments where they're blowing big leads to the Pelicans, you know? Um, there might be a lack of leadership there. And, I mean, they, they have no big men. So I really don't know what direction they go in from here. I don't think Danny Ainge's strategy of just being patient and just letting things happen has worked out too well. No, I'd agree. I would agree. Um I'm trying to think of anything else in the NBA. I know the uh, the Wizards, haven't they won like four or five in a row? Yeah, they're playing better basketball. They've won uh, actually one, two, three, four, five of their last six. So they're definitely playing better. And some wins against good teams too. I mean, I know the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis right now, but it's still against LeBron. They beat them the other night. So a, a lot more competitive because that team just could not do it early on in the year. And another thing I want to bring up, you said this, you talked to us about this earlier. Didn't they release the the second half schedule today? They did release the second half schedule. Um, and they also announced, I want to get the exact dates on this. They announced that they're doing the play-in game still. Um, and then the NBA playoffs are going to follow like the day after the play-in games end. So they did release the whole second half schedule, which is good. I'm glad they have um, a direction. Do you guys do you guys like the the play in games? Because it seemed to be be a hit at least in the bubble last year. But some of us kind of questioned, okay, that was a special circumstance with the bubble. Will they carry that over now to a real NBA season? So, what are your guys thoughts on the play in games? It's I liked it as a fan just because more I think just more playoff basketball is always going to be a win. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they eventually just decide to add more teams to the playoffs. If they do like a 10 team playoff, maybe a 12 team playoff. It'll just be interesting to see what they do down in the stretch because it seems like every league now is just wanting to add more playoff teams. But I personally liked it. And I don't see it really changing unless there's a team that, you know, was supposed to be maybe like a top three seed in the West, but maybe had to deal with a couple injuries. And then that team just fell in the standings and all of a sudden they're playing in a one game elimination game and they get bumped. I think that would, I think the NBA would see that as a loss, but it'd be, I'd be interesting to see. Um, if they do keep this, I think they should. Well, first I want to throw out that the playing tournament is scheduled for May 18th through the 21st, which is two days after the regular season ends. And then the playoffs would start the following day. So um, let's say hypothetically the season ended right now, the standings where they're at, and we look at like the West, you would have seven through 10 seeds. You'd have Denver, Golden State, Dallas, and Memphis playing for two spots so you could argue oh memphis isn't that good you still have denver golden state and dallas you know one of those teams isn't going to make it i think those games would be wildly entertaining we could see the pelicans move up into that spot um maybe over memphis in the east right now you'd have the knicks bulls charlotte and the heat right now the heat aren't in the playoff spot um this playing would give them the opportunity to make it we could also see teams like Atlanta, maybe even Washington can work their way back up into the top 10. And yeah, I think it's definitely better for the fans. Um, I'm not sure how the players feel about it necessarily. Um, I don't know that they care all too much, but I mean, I think it's very entertaining, especially since in the West where there's just so many, you know, solid teams. Agreed. And I, I mean, I, I feel like I got to be fair here and bring up the Lakers because they've been struggling. They've lost uh, three of their last five – or I'm sorry. They've lost four of their last five games. They're now playing without Anthony Davis, who's out four weeks, and they're without Dennis Schroeder, who has been their third best player this year. So they've definitely been struggling a lot. Am I worried? No. 
Um, I mean, I didn't there. It sucks that this happened when they hit the toughest part of their schedule. They have Utah coming up tonight. Then they have Portland, Golden State, Phoenix. You know, it's they don't get a break with that. So it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's it's the NBA. It's going to happen. Injuries are going to happen. Um, yeah, hopefully they just get Davis. Hopefully they don't rush him back. Hopefully they wait as long as they need to. If the Lakers fall in the Western Conference, if they fall to, let's say, like a five or six seed, are you then concerned? Um, what are they at now? They're probably at like a three or a four. They're at a three right now. They are uh, a game ahead of Phoenix in fourth, and then they're three and a half above San Antonio and Portland. If they were to fall to a five or six, I mean, it's it probably won't happen, but, I mean, it's I wouldn't be too worried as long as they don't fall below a six because then it's like, okay, now they got to worry about a play-in thing. So, I mean, as long as they stay up there, um, I'm not too worried. And when Schroeder comes back, it'll be a big help. I'm so. in I'm in the same really uh, feeling as Colin. I really think as long as the Lakers stay in that top five or six area and getting healthy for playoffs, that's really with all that matters. We saw home field, home court advantage is always nice, but they didn't really have it. Granted, no one did, but they didn't have it in the bubble and they still won the championship. So I think as long as they're healthy for someone like LeBron and that roster overall, I don't think it's something that's really going to affect them that much. Just as long as they don't have to worry, like you said, Colin, about that one game playoff. If they go in as a five seed, but with a fully fully healthy roster, it's like a number one seed quality team playing at the five. So it's not that big of a deal in my mind. Right. And when you when you talk about concerns, I mean, I'm not concerned about their play. I'm more just concerned about them getting healthy because when LeBron and AD are on the floor this season together, they are a plus 15 per 100 possessions, which is really good. So I'm not worried about their play when they're healthy. Um, they're also five and one this season with no AD, but they're zero and three with no AD and Schroeder. So I know that they can win games without AD. Um, it's just, when you have your second and third best player out, it's really tough, especially when you're playing better teams. So I think the things that I, there's two things I'm concerned about. One is Anthony Davis, you know, him getting fully healthy. And my other concern, LeBron told people not to be worried about this, but I'm a little concerned about LeBron's minutes. He's playing like 35 minutes a game, which is the second lowest of his career, but still a lot for, someone of his age. Um, and if it's a normal year, I'm not too concerned about this. I'm more concerned because he had like the Lakers had the shortest off season in like sports history. So that definitely does concern me a little bit um, as we get further and further into the season, you know, if that's going to play an effect, if he's going to run out of gas later on, I don't know, but you know, him playing 40 minutes against, the Wizards isn't too encouraging. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you for this week in uh, this week in basketball. I'm going to dive right into this week in football. Um, a couple big stories. One, the Carson Wentz trade. We were all kind of expecting it um, this year. Um, he finally got traded. It was reported early on that it was he was going to be traded to the Bears. He eventually got traded to the Colts back with his old offensive coordinator, Frank Wright. Um, what, do, what do you guys initially think on this trade? I like it. I love it for the Colts. I really think this has a potential to where it could be a win-win for both sides because it is tough to move on a guy that you move on from a guy that you draft to be your franchise QB, but it just wasn't – the relationship was not working in Philly, and we also know that – each new like management kind of likes to have their guy. That being said, I still think Jalen Hurts is young enough and has enough promise to where they'll stick with him. But I think it was time for them to move on from once. And with so little, so little teams really wanting his services, it was going to be hard for them to find something. But the fact that if he stays healthy, feel he can get a first round pick out of it. 
could be absolutely huge for them, help them build towards the future because they have some holes to fix. And then for Indy, they were definitely in a tough spot because it's a roster ready to win without a quarterback. And Philip Rivers are tired, and you don't really trust Jacoby Brissett. And to pair Wentz with someone who he's worked with before, and I know everyone says this, his relationship with Frank Reich, I do think there is some seriousness to being comfortable and working with something you know, the familiarity of the system. And I think that can help Wentz get back. He doesn't even have to be elite. He just has to be above average. Phillip Rivers last year with a little more arm strength and a little more mobility, and this team can win a couple playoff games. I don't think that's a stretch to say at all. I still think the Colts need to go and win a res- go and get a receiver, but I think if they they bring back most of the roster and go and get a receiver because I don't think T.Y. Hillen is a true number one. I really like Michael Pittman Jr., but I think they need someone to compliment him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think him being with Frank Reich, will be a big help. Um, I, you're right. He will definitely be more comfortable. And let's not forget, although he had a pretty terrible year last season, um, we've seen this before. Some of these guys just need to change the scenery, um, a fresh start. And we know how talented he is and what he's capable of. He was a number two pick for a reason. He was top three in MVP voting that one season for a reason. They had the best record in football um, with him at the helm. So I think this will end up being a good deal for both sides because the Eagles needed to get rid of him and they got some value. Assuming that he plays 75% of his snaps or the Colts make the playoffs, the Eagles will get a first-round pick out of it. So, I mean, I, I think this could be a win-win-win for the Colts, Eagles, Wentz. I love the trade all around. I think this is the perfect spot for Wentz when you talk about the head coach, the offensive line, and just a pro or a, a team that has had success and has they, – they're a good organization. They've had success, but you're right. It's just, it just seems that they need that one more step – you know, someone a little more dynamic than Rivers, like Ben mentioned. So I like the I like the trade right now from all aspects. Yeah. And in Philly's case, I see this as a win. You get some of his money off the books. Um, and now Jalen Hurts is, I mean, at what everyone thinks he's gonna be, the official quarterback for the Eagles. And still kind of a bad division. They have the sixth overall pick. They can go out and sign a receiver to kind con- but Jalen Hurts, I mean, let's not forget Jalen Hurts went to Alabama. What if Philly gets one of the uh, one of the uh, Bama wide receivers? That would be that would be a great fit. Um, and then you also have uh, the aspect of uh, Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz will be good, but but if Carson Wentz is a dud, if he just flops and he's benched by week like five, six, or seven, something like that. Is this the end of the road for Carson Wentz? If it can't work in Indy, is he done? I don't think he's done. I think we saw even someone like Nick Foles who flopped in St. Louis. He still got backup jobs both in Kansas City and then Philadelphia after. I think just his reputation, even though it was years ago, I think will be enough to earn him basically at least a backup role in in the season's future. I mean, if he flops in Indy, Indy can cut him after this year with no cap hit because Philly's taking, taking that on. So I think if Wentz does have a bad year, Philly, I mean, Indy would 100% be making the smart choice just to cut him and move on and probably draft a QB of the future. But if he were to get cut, I still think he would go somewhere. Someone could use him as like a reclamation project, maybe go somewhere where there is a, a, a great, like older established QB, maybe learn a little bit, hopefully get, cut down on the turnovers, but I think he'll always just have enough talent to get a backup job wherever he goes. Yeah. If if it doesn't work in, if it doesn't work in Indy, I don't think him as a starter is going to work anywhere. So um, I agree that he would be able to find a job. He does have a place in the NFL, but if he has a season similar to last season, um, I think he would officially then be broken. Um, I don't think there's, you can really repair that 
when, you know, this is one easily one of the most ideal situations that he could be put in. So there definitely is some pressure on Wentz, but knowing that what he's capable of, I think he will succeed. All right, and then let's get into the final news. It kind of it, it kind of came out today, uh, right before we start recording, of uh, the J.J. Watt sweepstakes. Now, it is reported by uh, John Clayton of ESPN, speaking of which, I love John Clayton, that old ESPN had where he was the, uh, the rocker with the long hair. Classic commercial, classic commercial. But um, J.J. Watt is really final, finalized it down to three teams, Green Bay, Tennessee, and Buffalo, with Oakland, or excuse me, Vegas kind of being like a, a fourth sleeper team. Where do you guys think J.J. Watt's going to go? I think we, we discussed this, I think, last week. I said Chicago, that's obviously off the board now. Where do you think J.J. Watt will be playing next year? That's honestly an interesting list. It's kind of – for Buffalo's standpoint, they definitely could use a pass rusher. I just, from their standpoint, wouldn't want them to overpay for one. And also, I would want them to pair Watt with another decent one. So that was kind of why I didn't initially say them, even though they're they're a team that needs something like that. And they're also, I, I didn't think Vegas would go for an offer like that either because I thought they would focus more on their secondary because that's been a big issue for them. So that's surprising. But just based on those four teams alone, I think the history with Wisconsin and Green Bay looking to get the final pieces to finally make it to a Super Bowl, that's going to be my favorite just based on those four teams. Uh, yeah, when Vegas having potential interest doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know that they need some pass rush, but I definitely think they need to uh, – work on their secondary a little bit first, um, at least a cornerback. Uh, and paying, you know, this guy is a decent market and he's an older guy. It doesn't make much sense considering they wouldn't pay Khalil Mack. So I don't really see that as a possibility. When you talk Buffalo, Tennessee, and Green Bay, you, we kind of knew Green Bay was going to be in this. Um, it's his hometown, or maybe not hometown, but home state. Uh he went to college there. It's it's doesn't surprise me at all. They're contenders. Tennessee also is very interesting to me. I didn't think they would be a finalist, but I am rooting hard for him to end up in Buffalo. I think that would be very exciting. I think he'd have a good time there. Um, I don't know. I don't know which is a better fit. I think Green Bay and Buffalo, two good contenders – um, both, you know, they, I think they both have the money to spend for him. Uh, they're both capable of making room for the money. I just hope neither of them overpays too much because he is an older guy. He is, he has had a lot of injuries, but at the same time, when healthy, he, I think he makes both of those defenses a lot more of a threat. I think, he, I think he can put both of those defenses over the top. Yeah, I agree. And for J.J. Watt's standpoint, he's getting to the point in his career where he's like 34. Um, he's obviously been through a couple injuries. He's not going to have a, a, a ton of years left. So this is the kind of the point where he wants to win a Super Bowl. So out of these teams, out of the three or out of the four teams I mentioned, Buffalo and Green Bay, I think, are the closest to winning a Super Bowl. Um. Green Bay obviously makes a lot of sense because he wouldn't be the number one guy on that defensive line. But for Green Bay's uh, standpoint, it doesn't make sense signing another defensive guy when you also need help um, at wide receiver. Aaron Jones possibly uh, could be on the move. Their offensive line is getting a little older and banked up. Um, and then we obviously saw Kevin King um, get absolutely dusted by the Bucks in the NFC Championship game. So I think uh, – I was just going to say, kind of responding to somebody, this would be my, I guess, me as a GM fixing the Packers. Here's what I would do because right now I think J.J. Watt would help them. I would go sign J.J. Watt. I would spend my draft pick on either a Rondo Moore or a Rashad Bateman, a young receiver, and then maybe get a 
low value, like cheap wide receiver as well. Do that for that area. And then I think having more of a defensive presence could fix some of the secondary issues. Now, Kevin King played very bad. I don't think he's a very good corner, but having a little bit more of a pass rush, I know helps corners exceed. And honestly, it would, I think Aaron Jones are really good running back, but I also think they really like AJ Dillon and he put on a show against Tennessee. So I could maybe see them letting him walk and turning to the young guy. Cause we're like, why did they draft AJ Dillon last year when they have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? They maybe saw this coming and they want to go to the young guy because they realize how running backs is a lot about the system and they could realize AJ Dillon could do as much or maybe even more as Aaron Jones. So that would be my ideal offseason if I'm the Packers, which is why I think if they're going to spend money, it could be on Watt because there are a couple other things they could fix in the draft and they have replacements ready. And that's fair. That, that's a fair point. But for me, if I had to pick a landing spot for JJ Watt, I obviously a little biased. I would say Buffalo oh, if yeah. the contract is right. Yep. Um, their defense struggled at the beginning of last year, last year, started to turn on a bit towards the end, but obviously got blown out by the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Um, I think I think the consensus is is that Jay Watt at this point of his career is probably a B plus pass rusher. So you kind of want him to be paired up with maybe another B plus A A plus kind of pass rusher. Buffalo doesn't have that. Buffalo's best pass rusher uh, is Jerry Hughes. He's probably like a B, a B minus kind of pass rusher. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that how that can lay out if he does go to Buffalo. I'm hoping he goes to Buffalo. He'd fit perfectly with the culture. Um, also, shout out Pinto Ron. Uh, get get well safe, buddy. Get well soon. He uh, it opened heart surgery, but we. Uh, we love Pinto Ron. He's one of the best fans in all of sports. But, um, yeah, but he, J.J. Watt would fit perfectly up in Buffalo. But I wouldn't sleep on Tennessee. Tennessee does need help, a lot of help defensively, especially on helping the run. And uh, Mike Vrabel just seems like, I mean, Mike Vrabel is one of the coolest coaches in the NFL. I think him and J.J. Watt would get along really well. But my hope is, uh, my hope is J.J. Watt to Buffalo. If I'm picking where I want him to go, it's 100% Buffalo as well. I don't, I don't want him in my division, especially against a Vikings team that doesn't have tackles. I don't want to have even more problems than we already do with Chicago's defensive line. J.J. Watt did tweet the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, I think he's he's now understanding standing what uh, trolling is on Twitter, and he's I think he's starting to troll some people. Mitochondria he's, Research Society is headquartered head, headquartered in Buffalo. There's there's been there's been a lot of different I think funny Ooh. I guess like trails that people made off that tweet. I saw someone about like the engine is the powerhouse of a car. And they use that of like the engine needs oil and the uh, cold stadium is Lucas oil stadium. There's been a bunch of different, I guess, paths that you can take off that tweet. But I just think it's funny because JJ Watt obviously hasn't had the opportunity to do that. He's been with one team his whole career. So it's funny when you see, especially some older guys, it was funny to see, I think Blake Griffin has got into it, especially he's done it with part of my take. He did the eye emoji thing a couple of years ago um, when he was kind of, I think it was right after he got traded to Detroit sometime around then. So it's just funny seeing, seeing guys get involved on Twitter and uh, interact with the fans in that type of way. You know, I'm happy for JJ. He, he, we saw frustrated he was last year saying people didn't care that they were four and 12. I'm happy that, you know, he's finally going to get, finally going to get a chance to play for maybe a real contender. Cause I don't think ever they were playoff teams, but they were never like true contenders. If you were to go to like Buffalo Packers, you know, has a real chance to win a Super Bowl. So I'm happy for the dude. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I think that's gonna wrap up this week in sports. Uh, one more thing before we close out the episode. Uh, I think we're gonna talk about a little the next upcoming episode for the next maybe month or two because this is this is where this is where sports start turning up. This is what I'm really excited for. As well as I know, my co-hosts are very, we, we, very. We got about a for. week left of dead space, and then we get into the fun times. Yes, we get into basketball conference championships. So I think next week 
is when the mid-majors start. So I think we're going to start pre- having a little uh, predictions for the mid-majors. We might have a guest. Um, we might, and then a couple weeks after that, we'll get into some of the bigger um, conference tournaments, like the Big Ten. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that. Same with the Big 12. Um, saving even out West in the uh, Mountain West Conference. That's a very nice conference that I know Colin and I both follow a lot. Um, and then we obviously have March Madness. We have the MLB season starting up. We have the NFL draft, NFL free agency. We have the Masters. And then probably about a month after all that, we get into, you know, playoff basketball. And it is going to be uh, very interesting. Right now, we're only at about one episode a week. Uh, when the conference tournaments start to s- kind of heat up and we get to see the bigger tournaments start and the smaller tournaments end, we might go to uh, two episodes a week. So it'll be very interesting to see um, for obviously the big things like the tournament. We'll have a big episode kind of going through who we think is going to win, who are our contenders, who are pretenders, possible Cinderella's, all that good stuff. It's going to be very exciting. Um, I can't wait for fans to come along with us during this ride. And, and you know what? In May, when we can finally start doing them in person, uh, possibly in the hot tub, we can oh, get yeah. – uh, that's when uh, – you're right. The NBA playoffs start picking up, and uh, MLB is in full swing. So there will sh- surely be a lot to talk about around that time. So that will be fun. All right. And uh, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Remember to please leave a like and a rating uh, for us. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate the feedback we get. Um, we're also going to try and be more active on Twitter, um, so please go follow us on that. And, yeah, uh, thank you guys all for watch, watching, listening, and um, we will see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>